All right, welcome to this week's episode of the Pow Wow. I'm Justine Turley here with 16-year NFL veteran Eugene Robinson. How's it going, Eugene? I'm in the house, Turley. I'm happy, Turley. It's a victory Monday in Bank of America. What? Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe it. Before we dive into the game, I have a question for you. All right. So you said, we've talked before, as a player, your favorite part of football was the teams, like the teammates and the camaraderie. Yes. Now as a fan, what's your favorite part? Wow, as a fan, I guess I get caught up too. I get get caught up with the play of the team. And so I love to see like that drive that Cam Newton was able to engineer, or I love to see uh, our defense, Luke Keekley and crew, Adams and Amara Addison. I think I become a fan, and I enjoy it more from a fan's perspective, like watching good play. So mine, besides like the human interest and then just the camaraderie of fans, is just watching a team that you hate suffer such a demoralizing loss. So you, I love seeing their faces just like they're bragging in your face, and then they just go to <laughs> sheer and utter disappointment. That would be very petty. That's I know. Philly. That's Philly, because I'm telling you what those people are, they're mean. Those fans are no joke. Yep. And they're, they're loud and they're screaming and, and they only love their team. But to see the hush come upon that crowd and realize that they were about to lose the game and then when they had that this help of life when it was an interception by Eric Reed, and then it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, and it was all screaming. They looking back at us, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when that sack fumble happened and it was a hush, people got out of that st- out of there quickly. I was like, okay, well, we hushed the crowd up. I love that. I love almost seeing a team I hate lose almost as much as I see us winning. So when you can do it to a team, like a team you love, beat the team you hate, it's really nice. There you go. I'm a big, petty fan. So I first want to set the scene with a couple facts about this game because it was just, there were a lot of things playing into it. So this was actually the first time the Panthers went scoreless in three quarters since Cam came here in 2011. Newton has been 0-19 prior to this game, 0-19 in games where the Panthers trailed by 15 points or more so some wow 0 and 19 is pretty a lot yeah that's a 0 and 19 telling with 15 points wow and then 17 down and not having any points in the third quarter those are some huge stats and if you were a gambling person you would bet money that there's no way the Carolina Panthers will win the game and a lot of fans were pretty I was around a lot of them they were not thinking we were coming back oh yeah Surprise, Cardiac Cats came back. That's so how, how football is such a precarious, unstable business. You have no idea. And the margin of winning is really, it, it hangs on the balance of a play within three, four inches of whether you knock down the ball, you make the play, don't make the play. You can easily win, a, win or lose a game. Any given Sunday, you never know what's going to happen. You know that's right. This win ties the franchise's largest deficit comeback win. The last was... 2004 against the 49ers. It's the 49ers, yes. It's the largest fourth quarter, te- fourth quarter comeback in team history, so that's a number one for us. And you you got to give coach you got to give coach Rivera a lot of credit because to to maintain your poise. Think about this, and I said this on the radio. 17 points from the Philadelphia Eagles, as well as Carson Wentz was playing, felt like 34 points. It just felt like you was behind the eight ball so much that man. You're not going to be able to score in this defense, and this offense could put up that. The offense Philly could put up points. It just felt like you were out of it, and lo and behold, with 10 minutes and 48 seconds left in the game to go on an 80 
yard drive, 86 yard drive, 69 yard drive, wow, and to win a game and to convert a two point play, my goodness. And going off what I said earlier, just seeing a team get crushed, their morals just crushed. It was only the it was the only the fourth time a home team has blown such a big lead in the Super Bowl era. Wow, so way to go, Philly! <laughs> and the Philly fans let them have it. I heard Philadelphia radio as I was in the stadium and. I'm listening to the radio broadcast, and they were talking about fire Doug Peterson. Uh, how can a, this, this, coach, this game was completely mismanaged by the coach. Uh, how can you leave two timeouts on the table? Um, they were going, fire Jeff Laurie. He goes, you own the team. What do you mean? They, people were so dang hostile because they couldn't believe that Philly had lost. They were thinking more that they can't believe that Philly had lost other than, rather than that the Panthers had won. I love how fans immediately just turn to fire someone. Don't don't take a step back. Don't think, oh, like maybe there's other things. Imagine that was like in your work life. You make a mistake, fire him. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, keep it. What? There's no latitude. Football is an ultimate team sport, and you got to give yourself latitude. This game is not on Carson Wentz. It's not going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles defense. It's on the entire team because any given team, any given, we saw that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Browns where a guy misses no one the Saints and the Saints and the Baltimore Ravens where a guy misses the extra point and after struggling to get back in the game and they miss the extra point to lose the game you know this it's a team effort it's a, always teams lost and always teams win and you got to make sure you give it to everyone and not just point out individuals. And that, that's a guy on the Ravens who never misses a kick. Never. So. 222 extra points that he's just been nailing. And he couldn't believe – he was stunned. You could saw his, his look on his face. I was like, oh, my goodness. He looked like he was on like a Halloween night or something like that. He was actually stunned that he, he missed the U.S. thing. But that's part, that's part of why we watch football. Makes some good comedy content for memes. But <laughs> yes, one last little tidbit. The Panthers have now yet to lose back-to-back games since October of last year. So we're on a – we tend to lose, but we bounce back. It's I know. not a bad I, stat to have. So I know. And that stat, after hearing that stat, I felt much more comfort going into Philadelphia after coming off a loss. Gives, you some, gives, you, gives you some hope, and Panthers always bounce back. Like yes, indeed. This kind of felt like a bit of a deja vu from the Redskins game. We started out 17 to nothing. We missed an extra point. We had a two-point conversion after our second touchdown. A lot of similar things. Luckily, a different outcome. Yeah, it, it was. And, and here is the problem is that you cannot spot a team 17 points. Now, we spotted the Redskins 17 points. I'm going to just be honest with you and Frank. Philly, we didn't spot them anything. They got 17 points. I mean, the way Wentz was throwing the ball to Ertz and to uh, uh, Goddard, he he was doing an amazing job of delegating, moving that ball dis- distribution. Whether he had um, uh, Ashline Jeffries, I mean, he was spot on in how he threw people open. The week before that, when we played the Redskins, those were self-inflicted wounds. Um, that should have never happened. But you cannot play inconsistent like that and spot anybody in National Football League points because if you do you 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 can't recover it has to be something that's dynamic and you don't want you don't ever want to put yourself in that position where you're always trying to go ahead and recover instead of just playing football this one felt like we needed like going into this game it was a must win for the Panthers both teams though had something to prove the Philly was coming back after a rocky start they were trying to prove that they're still a contending team like they were last year 
the Panthers needed to prove that they can win on the road. We hadn't won on the road yet, and that's pivotal in this league. Not every game's at home, and you need to prove that you can play in hostile environments, win games. That's what makes a good team. Why do you think we've had such slow starts, though, even though going to this game we knew we needed to win? The players had that mindset. Well, one, I think that the identity of this team has not been defined yet. We've had uh, sporadic, very sporadic, good play from every part of the, whether that's defense, offense, or special teams. So we had sporadic play, but it hasn't been consistent. It was maybe the most consistent that we've seen it has been in the fourth quarter uh, on that comeback with Philly where you saw all three units doing their thing. So I think what you're talking about is sporadic play, inconsistent, and we have not yet defined what this team character, the metal, the makeup, the constitution of this team will be as it move forward. I think the Philly win gives you a better glimpse of what this team is made of and how you can go ahead and build upon that foundation of what they're made of. They're extremely resilient, uh, extremely competent. Um, they execute extremely well. Uh, they have each other's back. Uh, uh, the coaching staff works well with the with the offense and defense, whether we're talking about Nerve or North Turner or we're talking about uh, Coach Washington. So the DNA of this team is is is, is formidable, is strong, is healthy. Uh, there, there are no viruses, no weaknesses at all. But we have yet to put down the flag and say this is who we are. And I think that we, we, we're just on the precipice of, of doing that right now. And I think the Philly game had a lot to do with it. Let's first talk about the first three quarters. There wasn't a whole lot of positives for us to talk about for the Panthers. The first five drives ended in punts from us. Felt like we'd moved two steps forward, three steps back. We'd get a penalty, a sack, something would happen. Our plays weren't quite clicking. Didn't feel like we had that fire that we sometimes have when we're – and what did you see in those first three quarters that really kind of shook your confidence? I think um, I think maybe a little bit differently because when I look at that game in Philadelphia – it wasn't like we had bad coverage. It's like that Carson Wentz is just that good. I mean, if I'm honest, that defense is that good and that offense is that good. Zach Ertz had Thomas Davis. He had Shaq Thompson. He had Mike Adams all over him, and Carson Wentz still put the ball on him, and he still caught it. I mean, Goddard had guys. Ashline Jeffries was being draped, and he's – by, and ran stride for stride by James Bradbury, and Carson went through the ball on a back shoulder fade about 35 yards downfield behind his ear where he catches the ball. So I don't describe defensively to the fact that there was something wrong with us. I'm like, them dudes are making plays. Those guys on that side of the ball were flat out making plays on the offensive side and defense. So I don't think it was a matter of the Panthers couldn't get going. It's like they ain't let you get going. They they are stifled. Their defensive, we were 0 for 4 on third down conversion in the front, and it had a lot to do with their defense. And then when they put us in long situations, third down long, they do this thing called picket fence where they get six guys line up at the where the with the line to gain on the, to get the first down where there's 20 yards or how many yards to go, and they just dare you throw the ball. We dare we double dog dare you. They had a tactical advantage. The one thing I saw is that offensively, we didn't win on first and second down, and third down was a stretch for us, but they had a lot to do with it. Now, let me tell you what Coach told them. 
let's be a little bit more aggressive. Let's take a little bit more chances. He told the coaching staff that, and he told the players, hey, I need you to get after these guys because we got to force these guys into making mistakes. And that's what we saw. We saw this team start to get after. The, the play calling was aggressive. The tempo picked up. It was almost like a two-minute office every single series. And then defensively, even though we didn't, we sacked them one time in that, in that, during that time, I believe, but we put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and made him throw the ball a lot sooner than he wanted to throw the ball and he couldn't, get, he couldn't deliver. That's what we saw from that team. And that's why I think our makeup until your first question is like, hey, are we starting to define who we are? Not the cardiac cats, but even more so than that, that we can, we can go ahead and dominate if we get a faster start. And just to put in perspective, just how lopsided that first half was, Philly had 222 total offensive yards, 11 first downs, and 17 points. The Panthers had 83 total offensive yards and four, just four first downs, as we know, zero points. And let's say also 17 minutes and, and 55 seconds to 10 minutes and 40-something seconds at that time. I mean, it, the margin of how long they had the ball, how well they were, how efficient they were, was staggering, and the fact that we kept getting our our third down percentage was abysmal. It just lent itself because don't forget, Philly also converted on fourth downs twice in that first half, or maybe three times in that first half. That's insane. That's utterly insane. That means that coach is saying, "We don't care what y'all gonna do. This is what we're gonna gonna do, and this is how we roll." And we were able to go ahead. I'm telling you, Terry. That fourth quarter, amazing. I'm really amazing. glad I know how this game ended because just hearing us talk, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm getting, like, kind of bummed out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm right back in the bar. Like, oh, God. I know, we haven't right? scored in three quarters. There's 14 minutes left. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's get on to those highlights of this game. Okay. First, I want to talk defense because they're the ones who kept us in this game despite not having any offensive spark at all throughout the entire first three quarters. So I first want to talk about them. Their timing was everything. They had big plays yes, they did. when they needed to. Yes, they did. May have waited a little while, but waited till the offense kept going and they kept making plays when you needed to. They had good pressure on Wentz with, like I said, three really well-timed sacks. Yep. Mario Addison was the first one with 14-21 in the first quarter, and that led to a punt, so no points were put up on the board for the Eagles. Keekley had a huge one with 7.58 in the fourth. Lost for seven yards. Punt. We were 6-17 six, six to 17 then, so that was... Also critical. I love the the, the footage of it because you just see the a little party. pathway open. Yeah, everything parts and Luke's just coming in hot. I you see it from Wentz's um, perspective. Perspective, yes. and I would I don't know. I would know what I would do. <laughs> yes. Great, Luke's coming. <laughs> and then Peppers, obviously, the sack fumble for the loss to or to seal the win for the Panthers. Everything was just so well timed. Those huge plays that really made a difference. The defense did an amazing job, and you're absolutely right. Terry, because they were in the red zone maybe six times, and they last time they were in the red zone against whoever they played their opponent was a, I forget who their opponent was. They were sixty-seven percent in the red zone. They were sixty-seven percent in red zone efficiency. Against us, they were at least fifty fifty percent efficiency. Well, you, you held this team. You held that team to something that was remarkable. It was against the Giants. That's what it was. 67% on the red zone efficiency. This team, the Philadelphia Eagles, are really good, and our defense was able to keep 
keep us in the mix. I mean, they are 56% on third down they were. I guess us, it wasn't at the same. It was somewhere around the 30s. So we did a really good job of keeping our team in it and keeping them to 17 points. And then the offense did even a better job of putting points on the board against that defense who's been stingy. The weakest link of that defense is their secondary, and Cam Newton eviscerated that secondary. It was good to see them finally come back <clears throat> help out their defense that had been holding on for them so long. Luke led the team with 14 tackles, four for a loss. Like I said, that really pivotal t sack that helped out the team get our offense back on the field. What else did you see from Luke that you liked? First of all, Luke Keekley is the best linebacker on earth or any other planet there is. I've said He's it before. that good. There's no other linebacker who was better than Luke Keekley. I'm telling you, Luke Keekley not only makes his plays, he makes your plays. He makes the plays where the safety is not there or the corner or the nickel. He makes the plays where the linebacker, well not the linebacker, where the defensive line is supposed to be in a B gap or A gap and misses that play. He makes it. And he's doing it while he's being draped, held, pushed, punched, bitten. These dudes are doing everything they can to stop this dude. And you can't stop Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley is the best linebacker on earth. If you don't know, know it by now, something is wrong. And I don't know, I don't know what you've been doing. And you've been hiding on a rock because Luke Keekley is indeed the best linebacker, bar none. It almost felt like he had a quiet game, but it's just kind of he made the plays and just he did Luke, and you don't hear the Luke cheer. Yeah, so maybe telling. that's why everyone seemed a little less. But I was looking at the numbers and I was like, that that's a pretty good game right there. When we called the when we were calling the game, we noticed how how much Luke Keekley was showing up. Luke Heakley showed up so much, whether it was the screen, whether it was that draw, whether it was that little counter thing they did, whether it was they did a little fake where they're going to fake the ball here, almost a little deception, the ball's going to the other place. One time Luke got held on the screen, and this is the humble part about Luke Keekley. He got held on the screen was by two and tackled in front of the referee. And Clement passes and and picks up the first down. Doesn't complain, gets up, just like this, got back in, the, in position, next play makes the play. Like and I'm sitting there going, now why is Luke mad? I, Luke, I'm mad for you, baby, because guess what? I see they held you, they tackled you. Well, guess what? I'll tackle him too. He's so dang good. He's too good. You, he's, we've never seen a linebacker. No, let me say this. We've seen linebackers who have been historic, whether we're talking about a Mike Singletary, a Jack Lambert back in the day, um, uh, 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 a, Derek, a Derek Brooks, an LT, who've changed, who've changed the game. Man, Luke Keekley, uh, uh the Baltimore Ravens cat, uh, Ray Lewis. Luke Keekley epitomizes and is all those guys wrapped in the world. And I don't care what era he plays in. I don't care if he was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. 3,000s, or it's going to be 4,000, he will still be one of the best linebackers we'll ever talk about. And Andy had his, his main boy back. He had TD. It was TD's second game, so he's just getting back into things. He still had five tackles. Look, I could talk all day about Luke Keekley because this dude's a beast. And having Thomas Davis, the compliment of Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis is that guy who, guy who can cover Ertz. Now, he's covering Ertz, but what's the throwing him open? There ain't nothing you can do about that but just have good coverage and make it difficult. And the fact that the Carolina Panthers – 
where they have good coverage and make it difficult means that later down on the road they go like to say, hey, you just can't keep hitting on all cylinders. As some sometimes you're gonna stumble, somebody's gonna tip the ball, something's gonna happen that if I can stay in good coverage, the odds are that I will, because you're gonna make a mistake sooner or later, and I'm gonna be there to capitalize. And thankfully, our defense gave our offense some time to get their get their act together and come back the second half. That's right. More more so the fourth quarter. That's right. Cardiac cats were in full effect. This game, talk about timing again. They picked a hell of a time to come alive, but they definitely came alive. I know, my goodness. 21 points in the fourth quarter yeah, is but ridiculous. 10, 10 minutes and 48 or oh, 58 seconds, 10 minutes and 48 seconds that was happening. And I'm like, wow, are we going to be able to do this? And we score, we score, uh, and we extra point, I mean, two-point conversion, then we score again. Wow. It was all about clutch plays. So, obviously, the first clutch play was the Curtis Samuel 14-rush touchdown on the reverse with 10.41 left in the fourth quarter to put us up 6-17. and 17. That first points on the board. Gano missed the extra point. Oh, no, no, go no. Yep, oh, no, Gano. Oh, no. But hopefully that doesn't catch up. No, but it was so – and I asked, I asked uh, Graham – I asked him on a plane. I said, Graham, I just need to know, was that a very tough extra point? He said, man, that wind was blowing so hard. Those are the things that you don't see. You just see you miss it, and you want to, oh, man, you missed it. It's, it's, supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a chip shot. It's not. They moved the ball back to the 15 yards, 25. It's a 33-yard field goal. Those are not gimmies, and particularly not in the win. They're just not. So both kicker, place kickers have missed the extra point. That tells you something about what was going on in the stadium. And I don't know if you noticed this, or not that many people did. Graham Gano is – he – Kicked the ball. I don't remember. I have to figure out. I'll say like what it was. But he was in on a tackle off of a on, yeah, on a kick, kick kickoff kick return. Off, yeah, I mean a kickoff on a kickoff. He kicked the ball off. The guy was on a kickoff return, and he made the, he made one of the game saving stops because don't forget he is a safety as he kicks the ball. He has to go in and make a tackle, and you don't expect the um, you don't expect the running back to get. I mean the yeah running back to get that far down. But if he doesn't make that tackle, we said the same thing. Oh, this dude's about to take off to the house, and somebody else is going to have to catch him, like Dante Jackson. Luke, I mean, Luke, uh, Graham made a game saver tackle. I just remember it was like a <clears throat> sea of Panthers, and I was like, that was a decent hang time. And then all of a sudden I see number nine. Nah, number, number nine, like, getting what? up out of the party. I'm like, I didn't really hear anyone talk about it, but I was looking at my friends. I was like, that was, that was Graham. That's Graham, good enough. They didn't replay it, but I was like, no, that was him. All right, mm -hmm. just wanted to point that out. He may have missed that, but he made a big play. Yes, he did. The next clutch play that I really think was obviously huge was the last drive, the fourth and ten. Oh, wait, actually, no, I wanted to do Funches. So the other clutch play that I saw was Funches, his 18-yard touchdown catch that set up the two-point conversion to Jarvis Wright. He had missed a couple catches earlier in the game, mm -hmm. not having his best day, but that, again, a clutch performance came in big when it counted. We needed those points. Off the double move, too. He ran a slant and go in the red zone. Broke really hard. Darby breaks hard. He beats out. He's he's beating the corner by about five yards. All Cam has to do is just throw the ball. And all he has to do is catch it. And the fact that he was beating him so badly, you sit there going, oh, no, this is going to be an easy catch. But now it's going to be harder because there's nobody around him. You have to catch the ball. He double caught it. And then he had to get his feet in and got him in. And the fans thought that he never got his feet in. Yep. But guess what he did? Thankfully he did set up that two-point conversion and yes, again that deja vu. Then the last drive. 
Basically, the but entire hey, hold up. First, that two-point oh. conversion, Jerry is oh, right. Yeah, sorry. You got to give him some love. Jerry is right. Did a great job. That little whip inside and then breaks back on the outside. He has the defensive back really try to go ahead and strip that ball out of him, and he doesn't. He, he catches it at the line of the game as he goes down. Boom, two-point conversion. And then the safety on the corner tries to rip the ball out. He didn't let it go. So, look, uh, the play's over. Done. Play till the whistle. That was with four minutes and eight seconds left. We're 14-17. Brings us to our defense put up a good stand. We're back on our last drive. The entire thing was clutch. First off, you had three incomplete passes. Then you have fourth and 10 at the Carolina 31. Two minutes and six seconds left. Pressure's on Cam. They're in his face. He tosses it to Torrey Smith. He gets not only gets the first down, he gets 35 yards to take us to Philly's 34-yard line. And it wasn't a great pass. It was a wobble pass. He got hit by the um, – I don't know if that was Fletcher Cox who hit him, but he got hit and, and, and got hit, taken down to the ground. And as he was getting taken to the ground, he was still his eyes to see if he was catching the ball, caught the ball. And when Torrey Smith made that little hesitation move and got to the outside, I said, man, he's about to pick up some substantial yards. He did. And if you notice – as he got tackled by three guys, he gets in, he gets the ball with both hands and goes down immediately because they were trying to punch the ball out. You can tell the coaches definitely preach ball security after what happened at the Redskins. Yes, uh, indeed. Very important. But as a fan just watching that, I was like, again, the deja vu. This just keeps coming. I was like, oh, my gosh, three incomplete passes. It's fourth down. We need this to stay alive, to win. And it was just awesome. The crap. The, the bar went wild. I was high-fiving people. I tried oh, to start yeah. a keep-pounding chant, but my friends got embarrassed. <laughs> keep! Pounding! Keep! Yeah, my friends made me stop. They were like, shut up, just see. And I was like, everyone, <sighs> yeah. team spirit. Just team spirit. It's early. I'm with you on that one, Justine. But then that gets us to the touchdown pass to none other than Mr. Reliable. Greg Olson seemed wide open. Mm. But I, I think before that play, it was Christian McCaffrey on the outside. He was lined up behind Cam on Cam's right. Before the snap of the ball, he moves to the left. They're playing man-to-man. That means the linebacker is going to cover him. We have a slot formation with Jerry's right and Funches to the left. Jerry's right comes underneath and runs towards the linebacker. The linebacker has to avoid Jerry's right. They avoid each other, and just the fact that an avoidance allows McCaffrey to slip out the backfield, hit him in stride, and get down to like the eight-yard line or nine-yard line or seven-yard line, whatever it was. That was, I thought, one of the most clutch plays and the well-designed play by North Turner, and it shows North Turner doing matchups. This is about a matchup game. I got a matchup, my guy against your guy, and then my guy has to win, and I got to get a chance for him to win. Well, North Turner did that, and Cam found the guy who had the matchup that you wanted. It was just a great play call, and as we know, that put us up 21-17, and then our defense held one more time, the sack fumble. Panthers advanced 4-2 and two in the NFC South. It was surreal, to say the least. It, it, it was unbelievable. It was When we talk about there's two words, impossibility means that you have no chance. But when you say something is probable or improbable, you go, oh, man, well, you got a good chance to do this. The NFL used that designation to say – well, then somebody's going to play in the game. If they say probable, most likely that person's going to play. They say uh, possible, and he ain't playing. Typically, those are the designation. This game seemed to be an impossibility, and then it moved into the probable range in the fourth quarter. 
and then you realize it was doable, and then you realize they did it. It's still unbelievable to me, but this is what I think going forward, what the Carolina Panthers are going to look like. This is, is it, it's more than being cardiac cats coming back because I think if they get a faster start, I think they blow people out of the water. That's what I believe. They kind of turn into the opposite of what we used to be. Like when we went to the Super Bowl, we would have huge leads and then almost lose it at the end, but still hold on. Now it's we're starting slow, but we're coming back strong. Yes. So it's a little little one eighty. But everyone was happy with this win, including Kyle Love, who when he recovered the fumble, the fumble took that ball all the way to the locker room. He was not letting it go. That's right. I love that. Then Cam received the game ball from Coach, and he spiked it, which and it hit the ceiling, and <laughs> some of the ceiling tiles came down. There's some video of that, but. After the team celebration died down a bit, uh, head coach Ron Rivera took the podium and shared some of his thoughts on this team's win. But again, it's about who you play next and how you play against them. But, but I do, I, th- I think it's an opportunity for us to take a big step. Um, again, these are the defending champs, and you always feel good because uh, that's the team you measure yourself to. You know, uh, whether you're in the AFC or the NFC, you, you, you know, if, if you want to take the next big step, you've got to be able to play well and beat them. <laughs> So Coach mentioned last, last week that we have to win on the road and having a road win in such a hostile environment sends a really strong message to the NFL that we're here, we're ready to play, and we're ready to win games. Coach is absolutely right. And here it is. Prior to this game, all the pundits, there were 10 that were surveyed, they all picked Philadelphia to win. I get it. Super Bowl champions, Carson Wentz is a beast, Zach Ertz. They got some cats, Ashland Jeffries. They got some cats who can wobble. I totally get it. They got an offensive line that's good. Peters, Kelsey, those guys are good. Defensive front, one of the best in the league. So when you look at on paper, you go, well, Carolina automatically get the whole team a three-point advantage. So you go, there's no way they're going to win the game. Well, guess what? You better tell the Carolina Panthers that because they don't care. And I think moving forward to Coach's point is that I think this is a team that you get. We don't care what you think. We don't care whether you think that we can play or not or whether we should win or not. We don't care if you don't like our quarterback. We don't care if you don't like his hat. We don't care if you don't like his, his, uh, his dress style. We don't care. Because if you line up between the lines against us, you better bring your lunch pocket and your hard hat because we're coming to work and we're about to put some work in. I actually like when they don't pick us just so I can be like, ha. Exactly. And they were, I mean, the Eagles were the number two rush defense, so I could see them. We're a big rushing team right now, so I could see how they're thinking that, but I also like them just like, ha. Exactly. And don't forget that one of the Achilles Hill, I believe, is their secondary, and their secondary was victimized. In the fourth quarter, we seen Cam Newton just throwing a rock, throwing a rock, throwing a rock. Well, guess who was he throwing it? The linebackers in secondary. They're getting eaten up. In my opinion, Cam has kind of showed an attitude shift lately. He's kind of matured. He's taken on more responsibility for himself, and he's not letting his emotions and frustrations affect his performance on the field. You don't really see him putting the towel over his head anymore. And he's, and he's mentioned that in his last press conference. He said that his sobbing days are over, which I think ultimately has helped him lead this team and led to this comeback performance. He stayed confident, stayed calm. And here's what he had to say after Sunday's game. <laughs> I think every win is a statement win, you know, but I think we were we were against the ropes to a degree. Um, we didn't have a good performance in the first half. We understand that. We know that. We know that can't happen, you know, especially versus, versus a good team like this. Uh, 
But, you know, moving forward, this is a confidence booster for us. You know, it's something that can accelerate, you know, the production offensively, defensively, as well as special teams. But, uh, you know, it's funny how all of, uh, a week's difference. Uh, last week, you know, I didn't, I didn't, well, I don't always do good with losing, but I, I just took that one personal, extremely personal, just being that, you know, it was so many things that was against us as far as, you know, starting slow, turnovers, uh, but we had a, we had an opportunity to win. And I, and I told myself just preparing all week that if we ever get in that opportunity, in that position again, I very well better hold up my end of the bargain. So I really think that what Cam said held true. He took it personally last week. He's putting his money where his mouth is, and he's showing up for his team, and he's making the big plays when it counts. Do you kind of see what I'm talking about when there's an attitude shift and how he's taking this on, and he just seems a little more mature, which I like to see him on the field. This is what I believe, when, and I think this is – I think it goes a little bit beyond football. Cam is a father. Cam has children. When you're young – and you have no responsibility, you you don't. And so now you can be carefree, do your thing, but when you become a dad, it changes the complexion of everything. You realize that there's something more important than yourself, and you realize that you have responsibility. Um, you, you make, you, you, you do things differently. You have a different outlook of how you would approach things. I think the evolution that we've seen and maturity that we've seen, I think we've seen that because he's a dad. He, he's fun in the locker room, yes, but he's, he's a dad. He's still the old cam, but he's still he's taking on he's taking the bad things better. Yeah, he, he he's a dad. What do you do as a dad when your child falls down or hurt and that? And you go, oh, it's okay, it's not. You 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 take things. You give yourself a little bit more latitude. You give your child a little bit more latitude to fail. You give yourself a little bit more room to go ahead and to grow. And I think because of that, I think it has um, an, another intended consequence when you're playing football is because now you're a little bit more mature. People say, hey, he's mature. He's not sobbing. It's not. Well, he's a dad. What are you, you, you going to say? You're crying and what are you, you going to say? You're a dad. It's just a different it's, – it's, it's a different – it's a different thing that I see with Cam. And then the other thing is he has a great command of this offense. He's been indoctrinated in his offense and with this team. He he knows what to do. He knows the RPOs. He knows what when he gets the different sets. So we're seeing him at his best because he's good. And he's he's seasoned. There's a, something to say about age. There's something to be said about playing this game and seeing things over and over and over again and not letting your emotions get the best of you. Well, that's what we're seeing with Cam Newton. Just, and he's, he's, he's a good player. Just Very another good. reason to hop on the Cho-Cho train. I already I, love baby Cho. <laughs> there you go. Hop on the train, baby. So this I, – I, Cam is a – Cam reminds me of a John Elway, a Dan Marino, uh, a Warren Moon. Got it together. Cool. I'm going to win this game. Whatever it is, I'm so so sold on QB1. I'm glad he's leading this team, and there's not really anything bad you can say about him. No, and here it is. Chris Carter, they were talking, Chris Carter said on one of the shows uh, this morning is that they spent 90 minutes talking about everybody else and not talking about Cam when this guy led this team to a 17 to nothing 
uh, deficit and to pull out a victory. He said if this would have been done by any other quarterback, we would have been talking about him big time. Baker Mayfield, Brad, um, uh, Brady, every last one, but we're talking about Cam and nobody's giving him the credit he deserves. I'm not sure why that is. That's a flag on the play. That is. Can bring us segue flag into my favorite segment. Flag, flag on, on the play. play. Let's do it. I like this segment. All right, the first one. Juju Smith Schuster has a little baby French bulldog that's name is Bougie, and he threw a very decadent, indulgent first birthday party for his dog. Flag on the play. Bougie, what are the slang words for when somebody tells you that you think you are high sedity and high and mighty, and then because of that you throw a party for a dog? A dog, a bulldog, yep. a dog, flag. It's cute, but... Flag. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Next, the beef with the Lakers-Rockets game with Rojan Rondo, Chris Paul, and Brandon Ingram. That whole altercation, Rondo spit in Chris Paul's face. They all have gotten punishment. I'm going to tell you right now, every athlete knows one of the worst things you can ever do to another athlete is spit on a athlete. I, it's going to evoke the ire of every last player. It's, it's such an, uh, an emotional, visceral response. And I didn't the see... disrespect. Yeah, I didn't see him, uh, Rajon Rondo, spit on him. I just saw the punch by... And I was watching that game live. And I was like, oh, man, what, why is, uh, why is uh, CP3 going getting that Rondo? And then after I saw it, I'm like... Rondo, everybody would have got with you on that play because that's the most disrespectful thing to spit in a man's face. It's just really gross. It's disrespectful. Right, next one. Bill Belichick's demeanor, honestly, in general at press conferences, this past one, he was very just... Flag! Yeah, exactly. Flag! His face, everything about it. I'd throw, like, three at him. <laughs> everything... If I were the reporter, I would just throw flags at him. Everything says that he doesn't want to be there to answer a question, and he gives you absolutely nothing... As, as so well-respected as Coach is, he could give the media just a little something. But he doesn't. Not nothing at all. But I, under, I hear that with his players, he's not that way. I hear behind the scenes that he's much, much more fun-loving. He might even smile? I know. I think I wish people would, would see that about him because he is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game in tremendous respect. And so... I would love for him to be noted for that and not people saying he don't give you nothing. He just like looks like you. He, he wants to get Flag. smacked. Flag. I would want to smack him. Flag. All right, the next one. So the Colts offered a seemingly elderly man $70,000 if he made three field goals. This guy comes out in glasses and a cane. I initially thought it was real, and I was like, Flag, that's so mean to do to someone. Like, you're old, you can't do it. But it was a prank. It was a and play. He, and he made all three, so we got the 70000 No flag on the play on that one. because I, Not even faking out the audience? No, no fake out the audience. For cancer, and you're going to give a 70000 That's a good thing. And then the third one, the, the Panthers had some fun with this a little later. But first, DeMarcus Cousins just blocking little kids left and right. His face, he's just squinting in the sun, just deadpan serious. <laughs> block, block, block. I they're think they're little elementary kids. Yeah, elementary flag because they're elementary kids. Flag Please. on the play. But I like the fact that... No, 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 no. Yep. You'll be no. Well, get those kids ready for real life. Yeah, you got to... Uh, yeah, you know, kids are soft. It. I I'm like it. I'm unflagging it. I was going to say. It. It's, it's, it's a, that's a good play. They need to no learn. Flag. But the Panthers did a little, like, all the balls going up. The kids were shooting were losses, and the Panthers were just swatting away. Just win, <laughs> win, win. All right, that, that concludes our flag in the play. 
I kind of wish I could throw flags in life, just kind of. At I know that would be real nice. You throw flags at work, just or blow, that was stupid. Or blow a whistle. Yep, oh, that'd be nice. Can you imagine? All right, next. You're in the NFL. You're only as good as your next win. The mm-hmm. Panthers are facing off the, or the Panthers are coming back home to Charlotte to face off the Ravens, who unfortunately didn't beat our division rivals, the Saints. One point game. What are we expecting from these Ravens? At least it's home. I'm expecting a good crowd. It's been a while. We've had two weeks off. I think Panthers fans are rearing to go to cheer, rearing to tailgate. Their defense is really good. Their defense is one of the best in the league, maybe 82 yards per game rushing, 190 yards per game passing, um, maybe 33 32% on third down efficiency from this team. So defensively, when I look at when I look at the Baltimore Ravens, 28.9% defensively, 90 yards rushing, 190, 27 sacks. Wow. Get ready. Get ready. Because this def- you're going to face another defense. And Cam Newton, you're going to be under gun again. And this defense likes to blitz. And so they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. So you better be ready to get that ball out very, very quickly. Um, this will be a great test. But on the converse, our defense can help us out because I think the offense is struggling. We need some home field advantage, get the fans going, keep pounding. That's next Sunday at 1 p.m. here at Bank of America Stadium. That's all we have for the powwow this week. This Hopefully is a good powwow right week. here. We've been talking and just getting our talk on there, Justine. The football guys.